0: Hello everyone, it's Friday the 15th of April and welcome to episode 101 of the Kite Podcast with me, Ben Eagle. And me, Will Evans.
1: We are delighted this morning to bring you an international episode with a focus on Europe. Yes, today we're heading across the North Sea to talk about dairy trading with our nearest neighbours. John recently (laughs) attended the UKLA conference, so we'll hear from him today about his take on that. And we'll also speak to our guest today about dairy trading on a commodity basis and maybe even everyone's favourite subject, Brexit. Speaking of guests, let's introduce them. Uh, We're joined today by Marcel van de Vliet, who is Sales and Procurement Manager for the Van Dree Group, as well as President of SELSA, the voice of European traders in agri-food commodities. We're also joined by Kite's Managing Partner, John Allen, And as always, we're joined by our podcast producer, Becky Leach, and everybody's favourite dairy market analyst, Chris Walkland. Chris, over to you for the Milk Market Report. Where are you this week? Well, I've got some marvellous news
2: for our listener this morning. And to celebrate, I'm bringing you my report from the centre of Marcel's capital city, Amsterdam. And what a beautiful city it is, apart from all the push irons or bicycles. To you Southerners, as we all know, where there's a push iron in a city, there's a knob. So there are obviously lots of knobs here. But the great news is that Marcel has kindly agreed to put on a masterclass in dairy trading exclusively for podcast listeners here in Amsterdam. How fantastic is that, our very first conference? Because Marcel knows everything. And if he doesn't know everything, he'll make you think that he does, because he's a Dutch trader. And no one else on the planet bullshits like a Dutch trader. Anyway, to news of this wonderful masterclass conference. It's four days long. Yes, four whole days. And will be held after first cut silage. Day one, noon. Arrive lunch and welcome. That'll be me doing that. It will be a journalist lunch, not a farmer one. So it'll be three hours long, including a nap. Three o'clock precisely to 3.01. How to trade dairy products effectively. That's Marcel. And then 3.02 to the end of day four. Free time to do whatever you like in Amsterdam. There. A proper conference and super value to the only payment to us from you will be a large fat brown envelope stuffed with cash to ensure that what goes on tour stays on tour. (laughs) 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 And yes, Becky will be coming. And if you can't look her in the eye on the way back, there'll be two brown envelopes required to the markets. Last week, I told you that I thought butter had topped out and it had. And what a brilliant market analyst I am. (laughs) Butter dropped by as much as 500 euros to as low as 6,800 euros, say some traders. But what I, in fact, no one, not even Marcel, expected was the price to bounce. And what a terrible market analyst I am. This week, It shot back up to settle at around 7,200 euros, say some traders. That's a four to 500 euro bounce in a week. And it was a similar story with cream. That's rallied almost back to where it was. My eyes were on stalks when I saw these uh, sorts of bounces. And that's exactly what yours will do when you come to our conference. EU futures prices have stabilised a bit this week after big drops the week before. Um, Average gains have been 30 euros from May to September, which doesn't sound much, but after a hefty fall, pretty good news. Uh, New Zealand futures have dipped again, though, after an increase the previous week, largely based on currency, though, that was. And EU Uh, Futures have dipped a bit as well, as I think have powders, which are stable uh, to a touch down, I would say. And I think a lot of this is due to the Easter holidays and trading patterns being pretty quiet. and Most of the traders have bogged off, apart from Marcel, of course, and he's sticking to his post just to talk to us so with butter rallying a bit and powder stable uh, we've still technically got you know high 40s to 50p on the farm gate board um dropping to uh 40 47 48 i would say by uh, september so um nowhere in sight still that sort of price for the majority of farmers Cheese is far from being in the doldrums and it's still stabler on the up, both in Europe and here. Mozzarella has climbed again in Europe to as high as 5,400 euros, and it's still 4,4 4 to 4.5 sterling here. So that's a great price. Uh, mild is at 4,550 sterling and climbing towards 4,700 say some optimistic traders we will see but fantastic prices on on cheese there but spot milk has been a loser this week Uh, no less than four breakdowns have happened this week these are breakdowns marcel that you would never get on the continent ever but we've had four plants out and that plus rising volumes have tanked the spot price to between 33 and 34 pence But it's not going to be down there for long, I don't think. Um, Certainly not after the flush. So that's it. I'm now ready and waiting to take the bookings for our fantastic conference. Uh, Numbers are limited. They're limited to two and a half thousand. So the lines are open. I look forward to seeing you there. Over to you. John, and Marcel and the team. Goodbye <laughs> and happy Easter.
3: Irrepressible.
4: Um, I'm,
0: sure, I'm sure you're going to be there wait, waiting by the phone all the time, Chris. The, the calls piling in. Uh, Marcel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, can you start by introducing yourself to the listeners and, and tell them a bit about your background and, and what you do?
1: Yes,
4: it's a great pleasure to be on the show, my favorite podcast every Friday morning, and starting with the tune, some rock and roll in the car when I drive to the office. <laughs> and uh, now it's been a great pleasure. I've been meeting um, meeting a few of your team members over um, over the past few years. Chris uh, back in Scotland at the Ukulele event in Edinburgh, where you did your um, unbelievable um, Brexit presentation and gave us a uh, strong insight. The UK dairy industry and the, and, and dairy farming. Um, it's a pleasure to be with you. My name is Marcel. I'm living in the Netherlands. I grew up in Friesland, the heartland of Dutch dairying, in the midst of cows and calves. Um, my father and grandfather are cattle traders, so I grew up with trading um, trading cows, and, and I stood next to my grandfather at uh, at the um, at the cattle market uh, in Leeuwarden. And um, today, I'm um, I'm proud to be president of Celca, the European Agri-Food Traders Association, in uh, based in Brussels. I um, I have the pleasure to combine my interest for international relations and European integration, and trade and commerce. I'm an active dairy trader for the past 13 years. Um, I've been traveling a lot. I've been exporting quite a lot of milk powders across the globe. Uh, for five years across Africa, um, then later on into the ingredients, um, uh, into uh, dairy ingredients for all kinds of applications, uh, confectionery, ice cream, drinking milk. So worked a lot with um, with companies across Asia, Middle East, and Africa. And now for the last five years, I work uh, for the Vanrij Group as sales and procurement manager in a small team uh, for. With, uh, with whom we buy both grains, oils and fats, um, ingredients for pre-mixes, for animal nutrition, and a lot of dairy ingredients because we are one of the larger uh, calf milk replacer producers in uh, on, on the European continent. We export our products across the globe and Vendry Group is, is also quite famous for its veal integration. So we, we're linked from... From the from the beginning till the end uh, with the dairy sector, dairy industry, we're processing dairy in Italy uh, on quite a large scale, whey powders and um, WPCs, whey protein concentrates, for both feed and food applications. And um, well, look, it's 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 my honor to be with you today and um, bring it on, ready to talk about dairy calves. European <laughs> Union and uh, Dur- Dur- Dur-
0: yeah. myself, after that introduction. It's 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 our honour to be with be with you. That was a so I mean so talking of trading and uh, and you've listed many many areas that you're involved there. But can we talk volumes, quantities? Um, what, what what sort of volumes are we looking at?
4: Well, I think if you look high over, UCLAE is the the Dairy Traders Association and the EU out of the EU twenty seven nowadays. Around 13 uh, percent of the milk is exported, and you have to distinguish a lot between EU intra-EU trade, yeah, the internal market, and um, the trade with with the with the with the large the world at large. So, with third countries, um, out of which, of course, uh, China stands out as by far um, the United States in terms of cheese and uh, and, and other ingredients and of course there's there's trade across the globe um in different ingredients in milk output yeah and the whole milk powder skin uh, infant formula of course um demineralized whey powders uh base powders for for all kinds of um food food industry and um yeah so so you have to always put it into perspective are we talking intra-eu trade or uh our global trade
0: yeah let's talk about ukulele um John, um, as we said in the intro, um, you went to the ukulele conference, um, which is where you met Marcel. Um, go, can you take us through some of your take-home messages, your, your sort of experience of it?
3: Yeah, welcome, Marcel. It's great to have somebody with all, all your experience on this show. And uh, I just checked out before we do talk about, I've got three points I want to make, and I want to quiz Marcel on. Uh, the factoid that I mentioned, uh, Will, but, oh oh there's sorry a number of people did pick me up and said was i right about sixty-three thousand dairy farmers quitting the eu dairy industry uh last year and the answer is yes it was it, there's a, a, a and so i checked that up. uh over a million dairy farmers in the eu there's obviously a lot of small ones uh but that was that was one pack toy so just for the listener that, that, that i know that shocked a lot of people uh, that that number the um the, the key thing i want to pick up with and i'm interested what your views were Marcel, from the workshop is that we did a bit of a, a scenario planning exercise and uh, the trade it, it, there was dairy traders and uh, dairy players from across the supply chain at the session and uh, the scenarios were pretty gloomy it, it was either the dairy industry in the EU contracts by 10% in uh, the next 10 years, or it contracts by 20%. And we either have a recession or we have a normal world. And that was the sort of scenario planning, which actually really made for a little bit of a gloomy session with the EU bunch, because they sort of all sat around and started thinking, oh, shucks, what does that mean? Uh, we're in that industry. And, and it made me think, asking you, Marcel. Yeah, you know, with all your abilities and the Dutch abilities to get on in this world, how long will some of the Dutch stay around in Europe with with that sort of scenario? And will they actually be able to go to the US? Because the only cheery person in the room who kept on saying how wonderful it all was and how he'd be willing to make dairy products in the states was the guy from the states. So, so that was the issue: it was contraction in the EU, expansion in the US, and. Uh, And I just wonder, Marcel, you know, what are EU policymakers doing? They're at risk of making a massive mistake in terms of um, their food industry. And, you know, it's equivalent to what the Germans did when they quit nuclear with their decarbonisation. And look where it's ended up now with, with all the issues in Germany over the gas dependence on Russia. I mean, how do you see it? How did you see it?
4: Yeah, yeah, indeed, I agree with you. We uh, we sat on that panel, and um, we were challenged to to come with um, with ideas for the future. Um, yeah, I found it also rather gloomy. The last few sessions have been a bit gloomy. Um, being in around in Brussels now, um, in this in this voluntary role as president of CELCA, I it's uh, it's quite a challenge to stay upbeat. Um, but at the same time, funnily enough, I saw the European agri-food trade balance growing. Uh, so despite, yes. despite COVID, despite everything, the total agri-food trade is in very positive territory. We've we've had the largest export uh, out of the EU of agri-food products and commodities um, in 2021, and also the largest import. So mm. the trade, as such, agri-food trade is is in a in, in, it's, the demand for our products is massive and we as European consumers uh, also have a huge appetite for food from across the world, uh, input ingredients, commodities and final products. So I agree, the, the session was a lot focused on the production side of things and there's this contraction scenario and we were, we were hammered by the new normal, where we've entered a new normal. Yeah look I've heard that already for a few years now um covid was also supposed to bring us into a new normal and look we were there uh, John having uh, having good fun had a had a glass at night and, and there were no masks uh, and there was no 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 sanitary pass control nothing and and the week after I went to Poland and they completely dropped it and it was booming and busy and I met the t- traders and and uh, in in Warsaw last week and very upbeat um, you know and and you know okay traders of course they don't care what the absolute uh, (laughs) are as long as there's volume and that is I share with you the worry is there gonna be enough volume to trade with eh, to to work to work with uh, for Uh, for, eh, that that is that is a thing but In answer to your question, what will the Dutch traders do? Well, we we try to do what we've always tried to do um, is to to broaden the horizon. Uh, You know, quite a few very large Dutch trading firms have multiple um, branches across the globe. So they move to the milk pools. They are there where the action is, either through agents, through others with whom they cooperate, and then they try to bring together these, these milk flows. And it's, it's amazing to see. I, I'm seeing this literally week. We have huge shortages. And now, since a few weeks, as, as Chris was referring, skim milk powders started to relax a little bit in terms of pricing. And what is the reason behind it? Trade. We have opportunities to source now from third countries, uh, which, which have EU-approved dairies, and those products can be brought into the EU under conditions under um, what is called um, um, help me the word, if you if you bring into it country origin inward processing that's it yeah so under those rules and regulations you can you can arbitrate and 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 use the differentials to try and at least secure product, find a better price and and then serve. Customers across the globe again, who who are, of course, who are in a world market reality. So those, that's the role of trade. And um, but I, I agree, if you if you stay behind, if you if you sit on your hands and 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 you see your volumes drop, then um, then it's going to be gloomy. But you have to you have to go out there again.
3: You know what? Listen to you. I, this is why you never bet, like Chris said, against the Dutchman, would you? And this is why the love the Dutch. <laughs> Because you are wheeler dealers, exemplar, and you are fantastic at always finding opportunities. <laughs> that, that, that's why we are brothers in arms. I mean, I tell you what, you're fantastic in terms of, so talk about having somebody come on to the show and then you're talking like this, uh, That you can see why, why you'll be survivors and winners. I mean, the the, the thing that you did take, and I took longer term, is that, there's going to be in what you said about there's going to be a valorization and that all that means is that there might be less made in Europe, uh, but actually what they do make in Europe will be more expensive. So that is probably better for the farmers who do stay behind. They're going to get higher prices. But the thing I took, and I'd, I'd be interested in your view, Marcel, is that the, the processes are going to end up in a bun fight. I mean, if we think we've got a bun fight over processes over farmers in the UK now, it's going to be nothing. It's going to be a massive bonfire in Europe in the next few years because they'll all be fighting over supply. So, uh, how do you, you know, what, what's going to happen on that front, Marcel? Because you, you can see that, and you know, so not all the processors in Europe are going to survive this, are they? There's going to be some consolidation, isn't
4: there? I think so too. Yes, yes. We've seen a few examples already, very recently in Germany, where um, where a southern German dairy has. Uh, has sold uh, its its um, fresh produce activities to to the Lactalis Group, for example, uh, um, who was consolidating um, across Europe actually and um, being impl- implanted in many countries. Um, that's true. I agree. There's the fight. That's what we discussed as well in Brussels. Uh, the fight for milk. Um, you see it here in Holland as well. So all the big dairies have opened the doors again. And I can tell you, it was not too long ago when they put a few farmers at the door. And now, now it's, it's 100% turned around and they're opening up, um, trying to, 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 to please them and, and stay, yeah, retain them or onboard new, uh, new farmers. And um, yeah, actually, well, the, the, actually, you're right. It's, it's good times for farmers as such. They have a choice. The product that they produce is wanted, and uh, yeah, it's 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 everywhere. I, I see these shortages in uh, in France. You see a consolidation happening uh, in Germany, and and also here in Holland. But yeah, look, they've they've built up so much capacity, processing capacity. There's a lot of steel that waits for for cream and milk to to be processed, right? And yeah. um, and that's what yeah luckily our company made that choice um, quite a long time ago to to go into those those whey pools which were a bit untouched which nobody really wanted and there we there we are now luckily having having secured uh weight supply to feed into uh, our calf and um, calf milk uh, industry and um yeah this is Let's see, you know, it's, it's really a battle um, the stronger and, and most efficient, smart companies will, um, will stay on. And uh, that, that counts for farmers too. And we are, we are positive. We, we support them. Um, also in our veal sector, these, these integrated farmers are, are with us for a reason, because we take good care of each other in the chain. And, and that, that's, that's, that's where the competition uh, is, is about.
2: But Marcel, consumers are under pressure on, on the cost of living. Uh, eating out and eating veal out is a luxury item. It's expensive. Dairy prices are tight. Prices are high, especially for the likes of whey. How can you, by way, feed calves and make money in this environment?
4: Yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's the big challenge this year. Um, I don't know if we're going to make money that we will know only um, in January um, next year when we make up our books. It's there's there's a lot of worries indeed in, the, in our sector now with the high cost price of, of our whole feed package. It's not only the dairy components, it's, it's across the board, uh, Chris. It's the grains, it's the oils and fats, the emulsifiers. I'm battling with uh, additive suppliers who, who produce uh, stuff that, that we need in our our formulation, which is very highly energy intensive to produce. Uh, people have have opened annual contracts, uh, is what I'm hearing, uh, to renegotiate to to go back from from to monthly monthly pricing uh, formulations. So, I mean, I'm I'm positive there is a huge demand and and an outlook is good. Uh, for farmers, for the chain, and there's a huge demand for dairy protein and, and, and animal proteins in general. But the cost price to keep that under control, and to to see the end result at consumer level, that's that's what we're in the mid. We're gonna we're gonna experience, and um, yeah, it's it's it's. We know from experience that if if we hit a certain price point for veal, then demand burn off is going to happen absolutely. So, but for the time being, we're still, you know, the music is playing loud. We're all dancing. Um, we're going on holiday, <laughs> like never before. going
1: to Amsterdam for a conference. <laughs> we're dancing.
3: Yes. So, I, I thought you, I thought you were going to tell us at one stage what we were up to in uh, Brussels, and I was really. i say it. It. <laughs> I'd, lo- I'd love to see
0: Joe's dance moves.
3: <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: So, <laughs> what
1: goes on top? No, exactly, Becky. Don't we thought. <laughs> so, so not. I hate to bring us all back to earth uh, <laughs> with, with a terrible bump, but what about Brexit? Um, as someone um, living and working in Europe, Marcel, but trading across borders, what yeah. are the considerations that you now need to think about um, now that the UK has left the EU?
4: Well, it, 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 it is, it is, um, yeah. It's pretty. Um, it was pretty uh, bad news, of course, when it w- when we were all confronted with it. And then we were unknown. We, we we entered unknown territory, and um, it's been a huge political show, which we've all been experiencing. Uh, for for us traders, operators, um, it uh, it has costed a lot of energy. Luckily, with politicians um, in the dialogue, we managed to buy some time. Uh, things were postponed in time and practical solutions were found and traders also are there to find solutions when things get, get troublesome. Um, it's mainly now down to paperwork, logistics, uh, bottlenecks, and that indeed has led to frictions, uh, trade frictions. And we, we don't like that. Of course, we always plead a SELCA for the policymakers to help us to, to minimize trade frictions. And, but the fact is, if you leave a customs union or a, uh, in this case, an economic, uh, economic uh, internal market, um, which is so integrated, which is so much about just in time, about optimizing flows between dairies. Yeah, we we have to realize it. It, it has changed a lot, mm. and it it it. I saw it personally. I did quite a lot of business with UK-based uh, dairies and traders as well. Uh, the liquid trade in cream and concentrate, and yeah, the products that you have in um on the one hand in excess and on the other hand which you, you're in need of um that that has been complicated and uh, now now again i see queues at uh, at the bottleneck in dover right uh, i don't know if they leave um if they give priority to to fresh um, fresh products if, if there is like a green lane concept we've i, I haven't
2: i haven't heard that i've just heard I've heard that there's real problems actually finding the drivers to go to Correct. the port in the first place, let alone what happens at the port, especially at this time. if you just can't get the drivers. They can pick and choose the jobs that they want. And they're not going to want to go to Dover and sit in queues for hours, are they?
4: No, exactly. That's That's been uh, main, a big thing as well. The drivers finding the lorries and then and there was the cost price um, up. Uh, the pressure upwards is We've seen that already for for a while in the making, and that has led to uh, indeed a reduction of, of trade. Uh, for example, um, there is quite a few spray dryers in Belgium, in Holland, in Germany, that pick up uh, typically pick up over peak uh, skim milk conch from the UK, and that is then helping to to feed in into our system. And yeah, those those volumes have dropped. Or the, when trucks got stuck. Uh, product uh, landed over here, uh, where the quality was was compromised, and so the, those things, you know, that 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 was frustrating. Um, at the same time, the bigger companies have had, you know, big preparatory groups. Uh, they, they 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 made it work in the end for them. Um, yeah, and I also heard that, that the UK. Uh, traders and processors have uh, they, they 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 you also do what you're good at. You also went out to open new markets to find new outlets, yeah. And I think the industry is uh, is dealing with it. We're not going to sit, sit and wait uh, for for trouble to 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 start, you know. We we are all uh, active people in in the industry, so um, so it found its. For me personally, it was a, was a pity because we we had very good and strong uh, regular business, which has decreased uh, unfortunately. That's what you've seen at UCLS numbers as well. Eh? EU EU UK trade has uh, in the dairy field has dropped. Yeah,
3: it's interesting though, isn't it, um, Marcel, that <clears throat> what you've just been referring to, and I think we've seen it, and it's been there. And Chris might want to comment. I think. You know all have been exporting uh, milk concentrate to the continent and um as you said because there is demand from the continent for for drying and um and uh, actually you know with other exports developing as well i mean we we once this flush is over yeah. there's going to be some serious but i think fights going on because uh chris might want to comment for uk dairy farmers because there's a battle developing at present within the UK um with you know processors and retailers really retailers not wanting to accept the increases that are coming down the line and um and actually you know processors increasingly saying well you know I'm sorry that's going to have to be and uh, we can see that uh developing can't we chris and- yeah absolutely um yeah.
2: our our retailers and some of our buyers have just been Blind, ignorant, and stupid. I don't know whether you have blind, ignorant, and stupid um, retailers and buyers in, in the <laughs> they Netherlands.
1: They do. Full of compliments on I can see the wood
2: from the trees. And I can see a condensing plant going up in, in, in uh, the south of England somewhere, condensing the milk and taking it to factories in the Netherlands and, and Belgium that you've just talked about. And retailers just will not listen. No,
3: oh, no, oh, okay. It's coming.
4: Yeah. Well, one one positive thing I I, I heard that um, one of the larger discount uh, retailers in uh, in Germany has made a move now and announced price increases. And uh, well, that's at least one sheep uh, across the dam, right? As we always say, maybe then the others will follow. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> that's have... a good expression. Well, that yeah.
2: that, <laughs> that happened here this last couple of weeks. Uh, one of the g- uh, discounters here, Aldi increased its 4 pint liquid milk price from £1.15 to £1.25 a lot of our other retailers moved and then a premium retailer dropped its price from 125 down to 115 trying to gain the moral we're cheaper than new high ground it's just crazy you should not
1: have oh. given you that opening
2: <laughs> <one. laughs> then well
0: yeah. while well, well, we've got you on uh, Marcel, it is the perfect opportunity to, to talk about SELCA, um, of which you are president. Um, Selca style is the voice of European traders in, in agri-food commodities. Um, I wonder if, that, first of all, you can just, just tell us a bit about SELCA.
4: Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Um, SELCA is representing um, some 35,000 EU um, and also outside the EU, also UK, are um, affiliated members. Um to the European institutions, so we represent the interests of food and agri trading companies from different sectors. So it's an umbrella association. It's one of the officially formalized um, speaking partners of the European authorities. Uh, this has all been organized back then in the 50s, 60s. So we go we go back quite a long time in um, when the European uh, integration started. We speak a lot with. Our chain partners being the farmers, uh, Copa Copacojeca, which represents the European farmers and farmer cooperatives, at the beginning of the chain. Then there's the traders in the middle, and the food and drink industry, uh, Food Drink Europe, is is our uh, chain partner as as processors and industry, right? The buyers of um, of the goods that we 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 trade, and it's it, we are a horizontal organization uh, covering uh, sectors like wine and wine products, dairy and meat, uh, livestock, cattle, um, the grain traders, very big sectors. Um, we have the egg and egg products, sugar traders. So it's a whole range of, of food and agri uh, sectors that we, we try to represent. And what, what helps is that we try to bundle their horizontal interests. So the European Commission tries to speak with all kinds of sectors, of course, but they don't often. They don't have the time in big trade negotiations huh, to 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 hear all these little um, detailed interests. That is, it's very technical in Brussels, if you remember. Um, but we try to to speak high over, and we promote open rules-based trade. Um, European Union has a huge network of trade agreements across the globe um first and foremost is the internal market a uh, smooth functioning of an internal market but then with 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 the uk leaving the eu we had to uh, find a new common ground we're still working on it yeah, together the countries uh, the european commission is 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 talking on a, a lot of details still with the uk how to, to but most of the trade has been it's not frictionless anymore, but it's still going on. It, in the end of the day, we find solutions. We get product across. Um, you're you're so much connected to the Irish dairy industry, of course, um, over there. Um, so we we we've we've done a lot of work on Brexit. We've done a lot of work on you know you remember the Trump era, where there was trade wars everywhere, and a European dairy was taxed with twenty five percent import duties. Uh, we have a malfunctioning WTO in Geneva. So we try to revive that process. So at least the rules-based system is also continuing on a global level. Um, we are working a lot on, on the on the farm-to-fork strategy. They, they want to change trade agreements. They want to include sustainability paragraphs into trade agreements. And look, the UK, although you're out of the EU, you still see a lot of similarities huh, in terms of policy, and the same topics are um, politically um, very active uh, on both sides of the of the channel still. But yeah, you've 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 done a lot of work to um, to get your own set of uh, of trade agreements across the globe, and uh, at the same time, you know, politics is driven by events. And after COVID, we thought we were getting out. We could talk about recovery. And bang, here's uh, here's the Ukraine Russia uh, war, and 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 markets are up in up in the skies. Um, you see a bit of real realism now landing also on the desks in uh, in Brussels. And we talk more about food security again. Yeah, so we, we we try to be active in all kinds of mechanisms there. There's a food a food security. Um, crisis mechanism that selka has as representatives in in those in those settings or so, um yeah actively involved um,
0: Brilliant. so in the uk over the past couple of years especially we've been trying to work out how to balance sustainability alongside food security uh, just interested in, in from your point of view really uh the political conversation regarding Dairy and sustainability in Europe at the moment, um, and also perhaps your, your input into the, that conversation as, as president of 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 Selka, um, specifically.
4: Yeah, well, look, sustainability is um, is, is is in. It's not just um, a thing on the side. It is integrated in companies' strategies. It's everywhere. Um, it's about reducing your your footprint. It's about reducing food loss. Um, nothing goes to waste across along the chains. And that's what I see in my daily work uh, in, the, in, the, in the veal sector. All products um, are given, are valorized. It's about valorization and, and optimization. So sustainability is in, in all the chains. And that's what, what, what all sectors have in common. You know, there's, there's the base quality wine. There's your top quality wine there is wines uh, grapes which go straight into the distillery right in in times of uh, of excess uh, produce and in the egg and egg industry there's there's so many applications for for for, for the different um, elements that they, they produce um if you if you if you talk about meat the big challenge for for the meat industry is always you know you have to bring the whole animal to value and trade permits you to do so so uh, you know we don't tend to eat so many ears of the pork, but in other parts of the world they love it. And you know if that if that route to market is then blocked all of a sudden, this whole valorization thing goes goes sour. And we in veal also you have the top top quality luxury uh, steak type of meats and cuts, but there is also uh, elements that we 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 don't dare to eat. But then there is still. People across the globe who love it, and 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 the Japanese they love the they love to eat the tongues. Uh, the tongues are are like a delicacy. They it's, we, we do cooking workshops um, to to invite the best chefs of, of Japan to to learn how to cook and to bring this into their Japanese cuisine. This is what trade is about. Um, on the dairy side, we have the CETA agreement with Canada. Now, there's there's way when they have access way it can be brought duty-free into the EU at a certain point in time it, it really helped us out when there was a big shortage um, there was a pr- price differential and it, it paid out to, to bring it over um, two weeks sailing customs clearance was 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 done in a proper way it's predictable trade and then product flows and uh, everybody um uh, and this this is what I try to bring across to the policymakers time and again. It's uh, and it's, it's 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 key. It's crucial now with the grain trade. Uh, there's uh, there's product from Ukraine uh, being shipped through Romania. Um, of course, there's bottlenecks, but now we have um, a huge red tape issue as well uh, with certificates for each and every wagon of, of grain. Come on, speed it up. Make a plan. How can we? Guarantee the quality, but but still let trade flow, and those those are the elements that we try to you know we help a lot to to get the traders to meet the right people, have that one on one conversation, and it's been quite challenging you know in COVID times everything online people people are hard to reach, and, but we we're, we're, we're getting there you know we we know our ways. And that's, that's what SELCA and our secretariat uh, is, is doing uh, week on, week week in, week out. Yeah.
1: Can I, oh, I... Can I ask a, sorry, can I ask a bit of a sort of closing question, Marcel, in terms of wh- where will the pendulum settle then? Because, you know, you, you we, we chuckled earlier in terms of the new normal. And, you know, it seems like we've got a new normal every blooming month at the moment, don't we? We think we're coming out of COVID and then we've got the, the war in Ukraine. But almost that sort of... Um, you know that that um, t- turbulent trading environment balanced over with the sustainability and the green deal. Where where do you, when do you think the pendulum's pendulum's going to settle a little bit?
4: Um, well, I think markets were there's always this cyclical element to to the markets, right? Um, we have we we if you have a bit of history, you see that graphs are now at the top, and it's 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 been a higher top than before, so. Let's see if, if there's still potential upwards. Now, talking to the trading community this week and last week, you feel that many people they they start to get um, a bit worried. They they feel that something might change again. But what is the trigger? What's going to be what is going to be the black swan? All of a sudden, that flies into the room. Um, look, there is there is the financial consequences of all this um, liquidity issues, credit coverage. Uh, with whom can you still do business in a reliable way? Do I get paid? Uh, do people respect the contract if the market makes a, a turn again? And that's that's it's much more about risk management now and uh, and you're keeping your liquidity uh, uh, going. but you know it, I already see that trade is is reduced due to that. Yeah? there are constraints. So in all those things, in the end, we'll, we'll force the change again. Because, you know, in the end of the day, everybody wants to get products, but we also want to get paid for it. And um, yeah, look, I, I hope that um, we keep, that there's a strong call from all sides to keep the, the, the trading system open, as open as possible to refrain from export restrictions because that, because that will only put more, fuel to the fire eh? and um, yeah. let's hope that, that sanity prevails in that respect um, and 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 look I'm, I'm, I'm also yeah. positive they still listen to us you know we're in a conversation and that's something to cherish eh? and also in the UK it's it's not easy sometimes and but we're, we're in a dialogue and we know there's many places in this in this world where there's no dialogue at all and there nobody cares what business community thinks of um, so I let's cherish that, and yeah. uh, and work our way around uh, all the issues. Sure.
3: I I I think it will, and it, it illustrates why I'm really pleased we've got a Dutchman in charge of uh, the president of Selke because uh, you've got the Dutch ethos of actually wanting trade and uh, and free trade at that as well. So that's where we're united, and that's a great great points you've been making. Mm. So. Thank you continue and uh, thank goodness we've got brothers like you <laughs> that's like <all> <laughs>
1: oh, thank you for sure well we love we love conversation and dialogue on the Cope podcast that's all we have time for today but a very big thank you to our guests Marcel van der Vliet, John Allen, Becky Leach and Chris Walkland
0: yes what
1: a great conversation thank you very much, yeah. you very much for listening uh, we'll see you next week but for now it's goodbye from all of us here